You're listening to ROD, coming at you live. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Auto D Show here on Dave Pratt's Star Worldwide Network Studios, broadcasting from high above Camelback Road in beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona, where I didn't think we were going to hit 100 yesterday, but we did. Uh, oh, well, but it's, it's going to start cooling off. I am your host, Otto Daniolo, and this evening my guest is an accomplished filmmaker, cinematographer, director, and photographer, as well as a co-founder of the Jerome Indie Film and Music Festival, Jason Ryan. So we're going to have a lot of fun talking about music and film and their upcoming project. But uh, before I bring Jason on, I'd like to play a cut from the Fervor Records catalog called I Walk the Night by Bruce Canole here on the Auto D Show. So check it out. Softly through the desert air The only one who'd even dare Beware the creatures of these dark uncertain times Their hair is golden but there's trouble in their minds Beware the hand that hides flashing blade Avoid the mess the daggers made People gathered round As if to seek some higher ground Some turn their eyes to look away Live. 
And that was I Walk the Night by Bruce Canole here on the Auto D Show, which is brought to you by Fervor Records. You can check them out at fervor-records.com. And if you'd like to uh, learn more about me or recommend someone as a guest on this show, then just visit autod.com. That's O-T-T-O-D.com or download the Auto D app in your app store and hit the contact button. It's that easy. And now without further ado, let me welcome to the show Mr. Jason Ryan. How are you doing, Jason? Doing great. You made a long drive to get here. Yep. All the way from Jerome, Arizona. So, and you were in the middle of an editing session, I'm sure, and you had to race out. Yep, exactly. (laughs) I appreciate you (laughs) making the trek down. How often do you get back, now that you've settled up in Jerome, how often do you get back to the valley? Um, Let's see, we just left uh, yesterday. (laughs) We're already back down there. We're going right back, We should have taped this when you were in town. Do you get back often? Um, Yeah, about once, once a week. Once a week and a half, something like okay. that. And is it strictly for business or kind of a mix of pleasure and business when you come down? A little, little bit of a mix. It's been mostly for business. Because mm-hmm. you've had your production company in the Valley for a number of years. Uh, right. Psychic Flying Monkey Productions. Exactly. <laughs> now, that's an incredible name. Tell me, how did that name come about? I just heard this old drop, you know, back in the 90s, KDKB. Uh, so somebody, some guy saying, uh, it's the Invisible Psychic Flying Monkey. <laughs> I thought it had a nice ring to it, so I just cut off the invisible, went with the psychic flying monkey. That's all it took. <laughs> and then uh, is it help people to remember your production company? Have you found it to be something that they remember or something they can't remember? Um, <clears throat> they don't rem- a lot of times they don't remember the exact thing, but they're like, yeah, something was it's, psychic. It's that monkey, monkey thing. Yeah, it's a flying yeah. psychic. I did have a guy compliment me. I was shooting for uh, Everyday Edison's show on PBS, one of the first kind of bigger jobs I got. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and he was writing me a check. He's like, he's like, man, I love your name. You know, it's always some kind of, you know, kind of generic names that most of these guys have. These freelance right. guys have that they worked with. So sure, it's cool. <laughs> and then they kind of remember you. There's this guy with a funny name for his company out there. And exactly. Then at least when they do hear it, they know that's the guy. Yep, for sure. And then when did you form that company? Um, let's see, that was uh, like late nineties. Okay, back in the 1900s. Yeah, 1900s. <laughs> Telling your age. But, you know, I was surprised to find out reading your, your bio that you kind of kind of backed into your, your film uh, career, let's call it, uh, by actually involving yourself in another passion, which was BMX riding. Right, and that's, that's my oldest passion. You know, started out around 12 or so. And then and, they uh, crashed together. So before we before we see how they crashed together, I kind of want to know how did you get into the riding? Did you have a bunch of brothers? Was it a rough house house that you grew up in? Or um, no, I had a brother that he kind of followed me and kind of rode. But I just always liked it. You know, I even remember seeing a you know one of these book fairs, uh-huh. this rabbit doing a <laughs> you know cartoon right. rabbit doing a little cross up on a BMX bike. You know, just way high in the air. I was like, man, that looks so cool. And so mm-hmm. I just. And got totally myself, that. yeah. Yeah. And I developed, you know, met mm-hmm. guys and started riding together, that kind of thing. But it was just something I saw. I'm just like, I got to do that. And you got, I mean, you got into that. How big did your riding career go? I got to the level of regional pro. Mm-hmm. Competed, um, you know, mostly in the southwest region. Sometimes I go to go to the east coast mm-hmm. a little further. Went to Mexico. and But mostly southwest region uh, as a pro. See, now, I, I have never really followed the sport myself. And I... Well, I did ride my bike down the road and then toward an empty cul-de-sac and launch it against the curb so I could see if I could get it cut in, <laughs> caught in the trees. Nice. I did that a lot. I never stayed on my bike when it was airborne, if I could help it. <laughs> I never tried that. And uh, watching what's, what those guys, these days, watch what they do in the air is total insanity. That's for sure. 
it's like, okay, now how do you practice that without killing yourself? That's a quite a feat. Um, well, first into water, and then developed. You know, the BMX riders took a cue from gymnasts who would do things in the foam pits to learn. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, didn't all start in a concrete bowl or something? Well, it kind of, yeah, actually, it did. Um, because actually, the guy I'm making a documentary about, he also invented. He invented the backflip on a bike, but he's also mm-hmm. invented. Uh, learning a backflip into into water to you know to learn the backflip. Right. So he backflip into water, and as far as we know, he's the first one to learn tricks that way. Was That's into water. Yep. And you say you're making a documentary about it. Yep. And when did that process start on this particular documentary? Started in 2014. Okay. And we did a little uh, fundraiser to raise money just to make the trailer, just to make a really good trailer, and you know, so I had some money to mm-hmm. put the time into it, and then that got a lot of good uh, attention. And so, and what's the name of the film? It's called Out of the Loop, the Jose Yanez documentary. Okay. Yeah, I saw uh, a still on your website. Gorgeous, Great. gorgeous shot. Thank and uh, what is, what's the basis of his story? He was uh, actually from here in Arizona. Okay. He was a gymnast. And he. Which is why he chose to practice in water. He was aware of that, I guess. Yes, yes. I mean, cool. that's, that's definitely part of the gymnast training. And, uh, he, he he was also into dirt bikes, you mm-hmm. know, as well as being a high school gymnast and really really good at Dysart High School, I believe. And uh, <clears throat> he was in dirt bikes, and he got the idea to do a front flip on a dirt bike, a motorcycle, mm-hmm. small motorcycle. And that didn't work out so well. When he tried that at the beach, you know, off of like a little cliff, <laughs> actually saw a video. <laughs> <laughs> and then he saw, I think maybe the same trip. He was in uh, Mission Beach, uh, San Diego, and he saw these guys on BMX bikes, smaller bikes, light bikes doing tricks and he got the idea to do a backflip on one of those bikes mm-hmm. and he saw it all the way through he learned it in the salt river he's going down there learning i, I even have pictures from the american bicycle association they sent a photographer down there and got some great pictures cool. well, and then, uh, oh go ahead. Uh, no i'm sorry i didn't mean to, to catch you off and that you when do you expect that film to be out or be available i'm still working on it i've shot a lot of it probably two-thirds okay. two-thirds of it but I, you don't have a deadline necessarily don't don't yeah not necessarily a deadline story kind of still developing mm-hmm. okay <laughs> well then how did how did your how, how did your biking career get you into the film career what what happened there i just started watching bmx videos especially when i got out of the navy I was in the navy till 94 when i got out really congratulations BMX. thanks oh. for your service what you. what uh, was your role what was your rank? i was a nuclear power plant mechanic okay and uh but that's wasn't turned out what i wanted to do <laughs> yeah well you did that and said you know i don't want to park here for the rest of my life exactly so, yeah. okay and uh, <clears throat> so I just really got back, kind of back into riding. I, I'd ridden while I was in the Navy, you know, most of the time. Mm-hmm. But I kind of got back in and I thought, hey, maybe I'll pursue this as a career. Mm-hmm. And really set myself on that on that path. And uh, made a little money at, you know, did all right. Mm-hmm. A little bit. And so you were watching some <laughs> of these. a lot of fun. So I'm watching some of these videos. Watch, yeah, I watched some of the videos. And the, the BMX video, especially the the writer made video industry developed, you know, around that time. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of great stuff to watch and it just really inspired me. You know, stuff like, you know, Jackass coming on the mm-hmm. big brother skateboard videos to inspire that. Right. And so I also like, you know, the comedy and <clears throat> screwing around antics and all that kind of thing. So, and so you decided to make your own video. Yep. So I made my own full length BMX video. It's all, centered around the Arizona BMX scene. Okay. What's a full-length uh, BMX video? Is it a 10-minute video? Is it a 30-minute video? Uh, mine was ridiculous. It's is the longest. It still might be the longest <laughs> okay. BMX video ever made. Two minutes and 
or two hours and 15 minutes. Wow. Now, uh, had you done any film work before this event? I mean, where, if not, did you, what'd you do for a camera? How did you, deciding uh, to do this and doing it are two huge things. Right. Yeah. Well, I got a video camera just cause I wanted to do some filming, film myself and film some of my friends for, because you were biking and you wanted to catch video yep. of this stuff. That's and I loved it so to. much. You know, I, I started filming everything, you know, mm-hmm. filmed out the Renaissance fair and just everything I could. I just really enjoyed. Did it surprise you how much you liked filming when you started? Oh yeah. Yeah. They did. Just enjoyed it so much, and and that's that was the start of my camera operation. Really learned through many many years, you know, just how to get good, how to get good at handheld, mm-hmm. um, how to see. You know, it's like if you're watching something, oh, I missed that. Hey, they'll probably do it again. You know, people are kind of very repetitive, whether it's a a bike trick or just somebody on the street. You know, mm-hmm. so I just, I would just shoot anything and everything. Mm-hmm. And so then uh, I imagine that got you into different cameras yeah for sure i'm trying to figure out what's going on there and then uh yeah. lighting's a whole nother bag it is and it, is, it helped that i started small you know just a autofocus auto exposure camera mm-hmm. sony mm-hmm. um they had a pretty good audio which is good you know for what it, for what it was you know 700 hundred dollar camera or whatever okay and it's good uh, you know because there's so much going on already with composition framing you know kind of getting the shot you know it's like especially if you don't have to worry about lighting right away don't now, worry about all that stuff right away yeah especially if you're shooting shooting that kind of stuff there's you're kind of catching it in the in the element for sure you know it's eng style so electronic can, news gathering style basically yeah so all you can do from a lighting point of view is just decide okay where's the light i'll get i'm gonna stand here yeah mm-hmm. that's kind of the way it would go but is that two hour video available can people see that online is that still out there not online i do have it in a, on vhs okay um and i have been looking at uh maybe get on get on some kind of distribution Mm-hmm. It is distributed in uh, Australia and New Zealand region. Oh, okay. Along with a couple of my other films as well. And did that? Did your writing ever, once you be, started getting into filming, especially working as a DP on projects, did, you, did your writing ever uh, create, in your mind, opportunities to use the bike as the vehicle for the camera? Did you ever start get into that or did you use that as a solution to problems? Oh, you mean like like shooting while I'm on the bike? Yeah, or you even using bikes as platforms or whatever. You're, has, have you done anything that another guy done, wouldn't have done because of your biking background? I've done some of that, yeah. For my first BMX video, I followed a guy, like kind of dropped into the skate park mm-hmm. while I was on my, on my bike. Um, outside of that, outside of like BMX stuff, not really because there's other... There's trolleys and kind stuff. Kind of more, and, yeah, st- yeah, stable. <laughs> stable devices to do that. And I imagine you were kind of getting out of your BMX career before everyone put GoPros on their head. Um, yeah, yeah, as far as like my career. Because right. now, now they're doing, they'll do put the camera on and go right off the edge For of sure. the mountain, you know. Yep. That stuff is crazy. Yeah, it Those is. guys are crazy. Yeah. Well, that's it's pretty pretty wild. And then you also have a little bit of a, a music background. You're a music fan, and I was looking at a lot of the different music that you've liked, and you've done a lot of music video work from a production point of view. Yes. But even before that, I you mentioned earlier you played guitar, or you took some guitar lessons. No, I didn't even take any lessons. I was just kind of picking around, okay. playing with it a little bit. It was fun. Played a little harmonica. learning this kind of teach-yourself harmonica thing. Mm-hmm. But never, you know, definitely not a musician. Well, actually, what I've done most is, is sing. Okay. So I was in choir in high school, you know, junior high, okay. high school, and then I like doing karaoke. So you had a great interest in music. Yeah. Why didn't you stick with guitar or harmonica? Is it because? Well, I'll let you. Know, my my wife always tells me I answer everyone's questions after I ask them. <laughs> so go for it. <laughs> Probably just uh, you know, time. Not enough time in the day. Right. You know, I have the other other passions are stronger. <laughs> yeah. 
It's kind of like a, what I was saying earlier when I said uh, in making my first film, I realized right away I'm not, I'm not going to be a DP because I don't have time to get good. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to be a bad director of photography. Yeah. Uh, anybody with a camera can be a bad director of photography. <laughs> Anyone. Right. You know, uh, but to to get to get okay takes a while, and to get yeah. really good takes a while. For sure. And man, when you've got a great DP, it's just, it's incredible what, the edit is like, you know, it doesn't matter what you, where you cut it, it just looks beautiful. Right. You know, sure. and, and I think when you work with a, with a DP that's inexperienced, uh, you have to manufacture that thing in the edit with post-production tricks, and that's a lot more work. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> Did you, have you seen, uh, speaking of that, it just reminded me of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Have you seen the film? I would Loved imagine it. you have. Yep. Loved it. I, I saw it once, and I have to see it again because the first time I saw it, every shot to me was so beautiful that I was like, oh, look at that shot. <laughs> look at that color of his jacket. I mean, the way they put those shots together, every shot was so ridiculous. It was just kind of glorious looking that I felt like I didn't really see the movie. I saw the movie making. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like i got to watch it again. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I, I need to watch it again as well. Uh, Robert Richardson, I just loved his work ever since uh, JFK, actually. There's a moment in JFK where Kevin Costner looks and there's just a glare off his glasses. <laughs> I thought it was just so cool mm-hmm. how he caught that. Maybe happy accident, maybe not, but Robert Richardson is consistently just so good. Yeah. Very inspired. Loved his stuff in Kill Bill. Of course, he's been with Quentin Tarantino since uh, Kill Bill. I think he shot yeah. everything for him. Yeah, that's then. incredible stuff. So you don't think you'll yeah. land that gig with him as a DP? You think that's all sewn up? <laughs> well, Quentin's only doing one more film, so unless I get that one, <laughs> he's got his. It team. is all sewn up. <laughs> Who are some of the directors that you'd love to work with? Oh, okay. Uh, love Spike Jones, and w- who was actually from BMX as well. Well, then up, you got a shot. Yeah, right. I grew up reading his stuff uh, that he written in the, the biggest BMX magazine at the time, Freestyle Magazine. Then mm-hmm. go. Um. Yeah, so I love his stuff. Love Stanley Kubrick. Of course, he's not available to right <laughs> to work with. And as a you're a director, yes. As a DP, do you think it's or maybe it's just variable? But do you think it's more fun to shoot your own to direct it while you're shooting because you know what you want, especially if you're an editor and you know what you want, or do you find it m- more fun or more interesting to try to understand their vision and try to capture it for them because it's always going to be different than what's in their mind. And you have an opportunity to bring something fresh to their idea. Which I, one do you prefer? I really enjoy both. Okay. You know, sometimes it's, it's good to you know, have my own vision, execute that, and have the ability to execute that. You know, both as director and DP, surround myself, of course, with good people to help me because it's it's a lot more difficult. You're, you have to think about every single thing, right? Um, and I also like work as a DP where it's just more of a segment. Okay, I, I'm, I'm this segment of the of the film. I don't have to think about everything. You just concentrate just on this. And I, mm-hmm. So I actually like both experiences. And for people who might not know, because we sp- spend more time on this show talking about music, but when we talk about DP, give me a definition of a role there. So director of photography, uh, basically the same thing as a cinematographer. It's basically interchangeable uh, name. They're the, the person on a film set that's responsible for all the lighting, all the camera um, movement, although the director, you know, it's usually kind of calling the shot. The director still calls the shots, but the DP is figuring out, you know, how to execute these shots. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, framing. The DP has pretty much everything is visual, has input, at least with the director, on how how it's going to be it's going to be shot. 
and the responsibility like role yep. lays besides that artistic element the technical element becomes all of the cameras that are going to be used where there are going to be placed that they're probably white balanced i mean you have a technical responsibility that the director lays on your shoulders as well right he's Absolutely. going to say when you're done the files are going to be good right they're going to be there or that the film is going to look good absolutely and then uh, some directors are you can tell me uh, you have much more experience on set than i have uh how many of the directors you've worked with are over your shoulder looking in your viewfinder on occasion versus guys who essentially stand a few feet away looking at the set and, and want to direct the action from that perspective let's say more you know more are looking through the viewfinder and some you know especially if i have more relationship or if they really want to concentrate with more on the actors. Mm-hmm. They're looking at the at the scene play out and just trust me to that I get it. Mm-hmm. And of course that's the way it had to be back in the old days. Yeah. Only one person could look through the viewfinder at a time. So Yeah. <laughs> and I remember the first music videos I ever worked on, we had, we'd always have a big T V floating around so we could, you know, at least we mm-hmm. can sit back and kind of kinda of get a sense of what was on the on the camera. For sure, but um, when you do, uh, what's your favorite work? Is it is it more the commercial work, like like a com- television commercial, a music video, or is it uh, something bigger, like telling the story of a film? I like all three. Mm-hmm. Um, I like commercial stuff. I like doing so- something quick, you know, thirty second commercial. So it's you know going to pre production, production, post, and then it's done. You know, Bang I like out, that. And there it is. I like making something something quickly. You know, you put tons of hours into it, but it's it's done. You know, mm-hmm. you see that finished result. I like uh, music videos. They're you know kind of similar. Okay. Um, you tell a story, but it doesn't have to be quite as all right. This action leads right to this action. This has to cut with this. You know, there's a lot more uh, leeway yeah. there. Well, and interestingly, fun. you know, the, I think what a lot of people don't realize is a music video. The audio track's done before you start, which is backwards yep. for every other type of filmmaking. Right. Right. So you're editing. You have a whole different responsibility, whole different approach. Yeah. You know, and in a film, you can you can spread a scene longer. Or even then, when they find the music, re-edit a little for the pace of the how that impacts the pace of the dialogue. I've seen that happen. Yep. So it can be it can be crazy. Um, let me ask you another question: When you do a commercial and it does turn around and you see it on TV, uh, do you go, "Oh, maybe I'll do this next time"? Right? Did you learn anything from watching your own work on broadcast? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I definitely always learn something. Oh, I wish I, yeah, I should have done that. You or, know, you or now that I see out the it, solution, now yeah, that I feel it, yeah, something's bugging me or whatever, but there wasn't time to suss everything out and mm-hmm. I'm like oh, that's what I should have done mm-hmm. just remember that for next time <laughs> exactly and next time is never the same time anyway it's never the same right, thing right. so it's hard to pull out yeah. so how many big projects do you have rolling right now you mentioned you're, you're on this uh, documentary which you've been on for a few years yep and there's you're going to be on that for a couple more years or, or so yeah, I'm guessing from our conversation but what else do you have any other feature films you're working on right now um, so I'm talking with uh, so two producers it's like one of uh, Talking with about co-directing feature, it'd be the end of, end of next year. Another one we've actually done already: the Scouts, Scout in Superior, um, Lakeside, Lakeside Pine Top, mm-hmm. and Phoenix. Um, and we actually, done, yeah, we've done the Scouts called Wrecking Ball, and they're just looking at getting financing or still work, working, looking for financing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so those are the as far as the feature stuff. Uh, just shot a, a promo, six minute promo. We'll talk about that in a little bit more. Okay. <laughs> Leave a little teaser cliffhanger. Okay. And then have you, I mean, besides being on a bike, have you ever been on the other side of the camera? Have you done any acting or, or work as an extra? Yeah, I did acting uh, growing up, you know, junior high, high school. Okay. Enjoyed, enjoyed that. But, you know, it's 
wasn't one of them, what I want to do for a career path. Mm-hmm. But I did take an acting class when I went to SEC film school. Mm-hmm. I did take an acting class just because I was about to be really directing actors. I wanted to kind of get back acquainted with that and yeah. working with actors, see it from their perspective. I think it helped a lot. It was a good thing to do. Yeah, I, I agree. I did the same thing when I decided I was going to make a movie. First thing I said is I better take an acting class. Right. So I know what they're, what's going on in their head. Mm-hmm. So I know how, what buttons to push to get what I need to get. For sure. And so and I, it was fascinating because before I took an acting class, I thought, I really did think of acting as pretending. And I came to know that, no, out here is where we all pretend. We put on our best face and we try to behave. But in, in real, you're becoming, you, I just find that actors are trying to make themselves so available to the moment to respond in a real way that they're actually being real in a pretend situation as opposed to pretending. <laughs> and I always <laughs> thought they were just pretending. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's good. so it was fascinating to see that kind of a different perspective. And I found that the people I, were, I was meeting in the film community were some of the most open and honest and vulnerable people you could meet because that's what they've been training themselves to be, right. you know, in order to be ready. So right. it's kind of fascinating. And uh, Kevin Phipps, the local director, uh-huh. great guy, uh, teaches, yeah. does, I actually took his class. Oh, cool. And in the rewrite of the film I was telling you I was working on, I asked him to come in, could you be a director? And show up in the last scene and quit the movie. He hasn't <laughs> seen any of it. He's like, sure. <laughs> and he was phenomenal. He's so angry, throwing stuff and marching off the scene. I was like, this is, I can't wait to show it to him. Nice. So, um, listen, what I'd like to know, or I'd like to ask you about now, is we've kind of been skating around a little bit, is uh, the Jerome uh, Indie Film and Music Festival. All right. And you are a co founder. Yep, co founder, managing director. And it's always been in Jerome. Yes. But you didn't live there until right. this past year. Yep. Just moved up there three months ago. In fact, uh, to our to the delight and pleasure of our listeners, you brought your partner in crime and co-founder of the film festival, and who is also now your wife. Or uh, we're will engaged. be your wife. That's right. We'll be my wife. I forget. Yes. I'm the one that got married. Yeah, Tony Ross. Tony, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming down. Can you hear me on the mic? I can. So let me ask you a question. Tony, when is this next festival? It is two weeks from this Thursday. That's when it kicks off. Okay. The 26th of September. So we are literally at the doorway. The seventh annual. Yeah. In a couple years when I was up, the power went off in the whole city that one night. That had to be a nightmare for you guys. Oh, my God. I loved it. I actually (laughs) loved it. Because you had to reschedule stuff. Oh, my gosh. Well, we, um, we had set... We always like to choose really interesting locations, and it was at the um, the old high school, down in the basement of the old high school, in the hallway with the lockers on the sides, mm-hmm. and I told Jason, we've got to show a film down here. This is so creepy down here. So um, it's, it's already raining, and we got everybody down there, and um, I, w- I was showing a double demon feature, so I had two demon movies back-to-back <laughs> down there. And um, so we're down there, and everybody's set up, starting to watch the movie, and I went across to the other building where we had a party going on at the high school also. And we were getting ready for um, karaoke. Yeah, I well, was you at were the there. high school. Yeah, that's right. You were there. Right, yeah. yeah. Right. And as soon as the DJ plugged in and started his music, boom. Every, and I thought, yeah. I thought we made all the electricity, and <laughs> Jerome too. went out. I mean, go out. I was scared to death. I'm like, Jason, we... <laughs> We've short-circuited the whole town. He's like, no, it, you know, lightning hit a transformer or something. But people down in the basement, um, it happened. The lightning, the lightning um, took the power out during the uh, exorcism scene. <laughs> so the director <laughs> later told me that he thought, oh, yeah, they're just doing this. You it's, know what I mean? To add Jerome. something. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so people were just stuck down there for a little bit and had to make their way 
back up the stairs, but it became like the coolest thing. And then after that, the party continued over there in the dark with the storm mm-hmm. and lightning, and we're telling ghost stories and freaking each other out. And it was just, it ended up being like the coolest thing. People were texting, like, did you survive the great blackout of the Jerome Film Festival? <laughs> know, it so it really, really worked out, and we, we scheduled the Double Demon feature for another day. Yeah. We had some time, but yeah, that was that was kind that was of a highlight. Cool. <laughs> and then, um, how is it working together? Because now you're working with your fiance on this stuff. And is is it ever difficult for you guys to work as a as a pair? Do you have to separate your responsibilities, or do you, or do you work as a team all the time? Well, we separate responsibilities. Some things we have to team up on, so it just depends. Mm-hmm. But there's certainly you know things that uh, she has better, she's more skillful at, and things that mm-hmm. I'm more skillful at. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of promotion involved, and you guys get a lot of people involved to to support the the launch every year. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. So, what's the size of team in terms of volunteers that are kind of helping you guys put this together this year? Well, we've really never had that many volunteers. We've always had mm-hmm. kind of a hard time. Our our core is probably what about eight people. It's my kids, and um, mm-hmm. you know the volunteer coordinator and our administrator, mm-hmm. Doreen Romney, and the techs and things like that. So it's probably about twenty people. Mm-hmm total volunteers and is this uh, festival this year is it the largest by in terms of numbers of content that you're showing or is it have you scaled back from what your peak might have been or it's pretty high up there i think we've got 40 showcases so i think 21 features and i'm not sure how many shorts but yeah 40 different showcases so that's pretty that's pretty big cool and where are you showing all the, uh, the films? So tell me some of the locations. So we're showing films at Spook Hall, which is the main uh, gathering place owned by mm-hmm. Historical Society in Jerome. Also the fire station, the upper level, mm-hmm. um, which is a great venue these first couple of years. Uh, we got movies, uh, the Wine and Hilltop Home Movie Stroll. There's this lady who lives on the edge of the, the gulch. <laughs> it's an area in Jerome. Just beautiful. She's got this mm-hmm. huge patio and all these hummingbirds. And she feeds. <laughs> and so people enjoy wine and chocolates up there on the patio and the view. It's an incredible view. And then go down uh, and watch a showcase for about an hour mm-hmm. in her media room. And do you have the train running as well this yes. year? Or, okay. So tell me a little bit about that. So the train, um, it's the excursion train, Verde Valley Canyon Railway. And we call it the Wicked Wild West Cinema Train while we were on it. And so about... Uh, 75 people can fit on it. There's an indoor car and outdoor car. And uh, and so while, they're, while the train goes out to um, Perkinsville, and there are Indian ruins on the way, there's trestles, going, you're going over the, over the river, uh, there's a tunnel. It's a really beautiful view. So people mm-hmm. like to spend time on the outdoor car. We also have a band. This year it's going to be the band that's featured in a documentary in the festival called Hillbilly Symphony. Okay. And they're great. They're coming all the way from Brazil for that. It's going to be awesome. Wow. Yeah. These guys are these guys are really cool. God, they're so cool. Yeah. They're so fun. Oh, my gosh. So they're going to be playing the train in various other places. But, yeah, for them, six members coming from Brazil, it's just we can't wait, wait to host them. So you discovered them via a film that was submitted about them? Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And did they mm-hmm. produce that film or did another filmmaker make that film? Another filmmaker made the film. But after I watched the film, I just loved the energy of them so much. Mm-hmm. And I, I was going to reach out. I told Jason, I'm like, there's no way they would ever come, but I would love for them to be at the festival. <laughs> and then they found out they were accepted and they were just like, we're coming. <laughs> just find us some couches to sleep on. <laughs> that's fantastic. So yeah. that's really exciting. Do you recall the name of the director of that particular film? 
Not to put you Dennis on the spot. Dennis Nelson, I okay. believe. And is he from Brazil as yeah. well? So you really took submissions from all over the world right. for yep. this festival. Right. We've got some from France, from Spain. It's just it's really amazing. The, mm-hmm. And really a large um, music content, a lot of yeah, music you, documentaries. Yeah, I think you just uh, you modified the name from the film festival to the Indie Film and Music Festival after a number of years, didn't you? No, it was always, yeah, it always started as Jerome Indie Film and Music Festival. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Then but I'm some on. people Sorry. get it's a little confused when they hear the music. Our intention always was with the music to have music videos and have best score and um, music films and things like that. Obviously, we have the bands, but we're not a Coachella or something. Right. You know, it's just a complimentary element to the to the festival. Mm-hmm. Cool. But yeah, we were talking about different um, places we're showing films. We're showing um, actually original motion picture soundtrack, Chris McDaniel's film as the opening night film at Caduceus Cellars. Okay. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And um, Can you tell me a little bit about that film? Well, do you want to tell them a little bit about it? Yeah, so that film is documentary, and it's all about how, you know, uh, score, you know, soundtrack, well, sound, soundtrack, not really score, but how a soundtrack came to be. And he's got some great stories. Uh, Kenny Loggins talking about, what, Danger Zone from mm-hmm. Top Gun. Mm-hmm. And just... Stories like this from people who, you know, who wrote the songs and some of the you know, biggest movies. I mean, th- things that are just household names, you know, and household movies. That's going to be household fun. Household songs. <laughs> so he got to interview a lot of these guys for the film. and Yeah, Kevin Bacon. Yeah. And just, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a oh, really awesome. fun film. I mean, it's, it's great. So we're really excited. I think I remember Chris telling me about that a couple of years ago. So now it's out, or at least it's pitched to the film festivals. Yeah, he's got it on the film so festival circuit so now. That's fantastic. I look yeah, forward to seeing that. Yeah, we really enjoyed that one. You'll have to come up for Thursday night on that. Yeah. Um, and then a new addition that's really kind of fun is called the Dark Egg Experience. Okay. <laughs> and it's, it's kind of crazy, but I've always had this idea of doing kind of a grab bag situation where guests really don't, they're kind of in the dark for people that just really love adventure and, you know, kind of not knowing. And mm-hmm. I told Jason this year, I'm just going to do it. And it sounds crazy, but, um, and I came up with the dark egg because this, this experience keeps people in the dark, but I use the, um, the egg connotation because there used to be raves in LA. I heard about these raves that would, um, take place in different places, you know, throughout the city and, um, the organizers to keep it kind of hidden from the cops. They would um, drop off eggs at different convenience stores and they'd write the address on the egg. So kids would go around to different convenience stores. Can I get an egg here? And if they said, what the hell are you talking about? Then they knew that wasn't the place. But then if they went to the right place, they'd be given the egg with the address and then they'd go to the rave. So it was kind of a cool secret thing. So I thought this year, people that get this pass, they're going to go to the film for it. I'm going to give them a, a black plastic egg with the address of where they're going to be going and Jerome has so many cool places so the dark egg it's $75 and people for this one it's really kind of ridiculous but it's we talk about what is the the dark egg and it's like what isn't it people <laughs> will go to a, a residence somewhere in Jerome you, you they will have no idea they don't know what, what movie they're going to see what band they're going to listen to and what food and drink but they just have to trust us that we're going to give them the ultimate ultimate experience with this <laughs> isn't that cool yeah. oh it's yeah. going to be so cool. great i am so excited i'm just like <laughs> busting to tell people what you know all the answers to right, those questions right right <laughs> and it's it's going to be one of those things that we already know what location we want next year, and it's just going to be this, you know, that's awesome. popping around Jerome. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, it's another reason where you can demonstrate that it's a little different every time. A reason to come back and, and sure. watch and see yeah, what's happening. Yeah, always you know? fresh, always yeah. looking for new venues. 
So, Jason, do you have to keep your own work out of the submission process because you're a co-founder of the festival? Or do you have an apparatus in place where you get to submit because you're not judging? Oh, no, I don't submit, but I have shown my my work out of competition. Ah. Mm -hmm. Which I think, say, why not? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't. I wouldn't want to compete. I wouldn't want to, you know, right. look like in kind of favoritism. <laughs> exactly. But but nothing wrong with showing my showing my. Uh, mm-hmm. I've showed music videos. Also, okay. You know, when we switched the first couple of years, we didn't have it mm-hmm. all that many submitted to make like a, at least like a full hour. So right, I f- helped fill that with some of my music videos. And tell me a little bit about some of your music videos because you've worked with some interesting people. You had a country music video that was climbing the charts back yep. in the day. Work with Sarah Darling. <clears throat> Did actually two two music videos for her. Okay. That was through SEC when I was still going to film school. Oh, okay. And I was uh, mentored for that through Ryan Smith, who was a two-time Video Music Award winner. Mm-hmm. So I learned a ton from him. Yeah, that's kind of handy. Yeah, that was great. Great experience. <laughs> what were some of your favorite music videos? I mean, in the 80s, when, well, when it first came out, and then in, in probably the mid-80s, I think, is when, to late 80s, they were just crazy. They were just crazy. Oh, Yeah. The production budgets were nuts. You know, yep. by the time Michael Jackson was doing Thriller, and these, these guys are making some of these movies were pretty big time movies for music video. For sure. Um, let's see, Bust a Move, Young MC, mm-hmm. always like that one. Um, Sabotage, BC Boys, mm-hmm. directed by Spike Jones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, how about that? Get a get a director like that for a music video. <clears throat> My right. goodness. Right. You know. And um, do you find that cutting doing music videos is a good way to cut your teeth as a cinematographer? Absolutely. A lot, a lot of cinematographers like uh, doing music videos. It's a way to experiment. Same mm-hmm. with directors, too. You can experiment with all kinds of different looks, and you aren't too tied down, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not too much money is being spent. And, in, in, uh, yeah, it's it's yeah, very the, commonly used as a way to experiment. And the editing can be quicker. Shots are, shots are quicker, faster. Sure. You know, it's kind of crazy. When's the first time you worked with a green screen? Would that have been a music video? Uh, first time was – no, it wasn't a music video. It was for a <clears> – <throat> A comedy short, okay. I shot on green screen, and later a lot more. Just a little bit later on a a web Western sci-fi webisode series called Western X. Did a fair bit of green screen on that. Is that uh, is that? I have a screen grab here that obviously people can't see, but I can show you. I wanted to ask you about this Western. Oh, cool! What was this? That was actually uh, Mr. Shorty. Is a music video for Mr. Shorty. When I saw the first time I saw this, I can't remember when it was, but I've never forgotten it. And then whenever I come across, oh, that was Jason's. Oh, that was Jason's. You know, cool. Because it's the lighting in that, uh, and the and the way that looked, that was just incredible. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So I just wondered if what that was because <laughs> I never remember anything. And are you a fan of uh, doing westerns? Is that have you done? Oh, yeah. much of that. I love so. westerns. You know, the first one I shot was Western X, which is it's a sci-fi western, but you know, mostly western. And you still include horses and you know, mm-hmm. costumes and you know, firelight. So we still went with basically the, the old West, just with sci-fi elements. Mm-hmm. You know? So that was a lot of fun. I did that Western music video and a couple other small things, but I'd love to shoot a you know, full Western feature mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, I bet that would be fun. Yeah. Do you prefer to shoot outside or inside? With the Western, it seems like you shoot a lot outside. Um, Depending on the story. I like both. I like, I like both. We just shot our promo for, uh, for the Drone Indie Film Music Festival. We're going to release it tomorrow. Okay. And awesome. I was shooting outside, and it was shooting inside, and it's just kind of taking what comes. And you just you just don't you know outside is more unpredictable. Yeah. It, you know you have to move with the sun, <clears throat> uh, but then inside definitely everything's more controlled, and it's just kind of like that 
dichotomy. I like both. <laughs> for fighting, or or maybe fighting is the wrong word, but for achieving uh, the lighting look you're trying to do, obviously inside you're generating all the light and then filters and bouncing it around. Outside, you're you're combining what you need to do with the sunlight that you do have. As the sun's going, your lighting's changing. For sure. I imagine that that, that can be quite a balance between trying to shade people to trying to light people. As, absolutely. All at the same time. Yep. <laughs> Is that a little more, do you find that's a little more challenging or more difficult? Uh, it's, yeah, with the sun, you really need to think about, you know, times, you know, times of day when you're shooting. You know, the best times are going to be, you know, generally before 10 a.m., or after, you know, say 3 p.m. It depends, you know, summer, winter. But, <clears throat> and then in the daytime, you know. Clouds the, can kill you. One cloud changed the whole lighting for a Well, minute. they can't, you can't really kill you. The, uh, you just have to adjust for them. Yeah. So you adjust iris, maybe a little bit of position. We did a whole shoot or, or a whole segment of the, this promo. It was all in shade. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like not much line I could do at all because it was all in shade, you know, and had to just. Work with a little bit of a little bit of flag, a little negative mm-hmm. fill, but um, in a way, this kind of frames like, and we had to move fast, so <laughs> it's just a bunch of uh, ambient ambient light. Mm-hmm. We still made it look good, especially with the kind of production design we had, <laughs> which you guys will see, of course, tomorrow. Yeah, well, since you you guys do you know have a film festival where you see a lot of uh, independent film submissions, um, what would, to, to first time filmmakers? Uh, what would be your biggest concern or reference you could say from a lighting perspective? Uh, here's here's what it seems like people don't know enough. Or here's what, if they just understood this better, I think it would help their work. Is there a common thing you see where people kind of are failing? Hmm. That's, yeah, a, that's a good question. question that's a good question. It, think. I, I, and I guess another way to put it is, if you have any words of wisdom for lighting for beginners, what would it be? It's, okay, it's so kind of the same question. In lighting, not in, not in general, but just in the lighting. I, was, I have a couple topics. One was lighting, and the other was green screen, because I've seen green screen work not work. Oh, and yeah. So it's, and that's really a lighting issue as well. But so, but I guess on either either case, what would be your thoughts? Okay. Um. Yeah, the worst is you know just be flat lighting, You know, putting a camera, putting a light too close to the to the camera <laughs> um so it's just you know just a big flat thing uh not enough depth too you know i, I, like, I always like to have depth that's usually a pretty easy thing to do is bring your actors bring the bring the action away from walls you know mm-hmm. so you see what's going on it's just just looks better and then to help create the depth you're projecting light on the back field as well to kind but yeah of you certainly have a lot more room to yeah. to light you know stuff some come in from a window um you could backlight your actors. I love that thing you posted a little while back where you were demonstrating a set lit all these different ways. Oh, yeah. Great. And that was that was an incredible demo of just what you can do just with light in a space. Oh, thank you. I yeah, I had should. a little extra time a few weeks ago, and so uh, I'm doing a cinematography demonstration workshop for Sholo Film Festival Okay, coming up in October. They asked me to do a little video, and I'm like, well, I could do a little cell phone video, you know. Um, I think that's kind of what they expected, but I'm like, eh, let me, I'm a cinematographer. Let's step it up here. I got a little bit of time. Yeah. <laughs> I had some new toys, got some new lights that I just picked up. So I able to get those going. Yeah. Well, that was very cool. And is that a video that people can see? I know it was probably on Facebook is where I probably Absolutely. caught it. So what's the easiest way for someone to hunt down that video? Uh, just go to Sholo Film Festival okay. and look under workshops. The video's okay. right there. They can watch it. 
Cool, because that that was impressive. I mean, even when you know what lighting can do, what what uh, you're reminded of is what a lack of lighting can do. Right. The things you don't see in the room until it's lit a different way, and then they become nothing, or they become something, or they become feature based on what you're doing with lighting, which completely changes the mood of what's happening in the space. Yeah, yep. that was that was so great to to see that because the day shots were, he shot everything at night. I was his DP on that one, uh-huh. <laughs> and cool. the hair and makeup. Camera and operator. That's right. <laughs> set designer. That was actually shot in our apartment up in Jerome. Oh, cool. But um, just seeing, I mean, you look at that, and you can't imagine that's just lighting coming in the window at nighttime, you know, lighting it up like daytime. It's just amazing yeah. to see that. So that was a lot of fun. We enjoyed that. <laughs> that's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. I can say one thing that always kind of bothers me when we get submissions in mm-hmm. is the use of just blank walls, you know, Putting right. your actors in front of mini blinds or blank walls yeah. and not, not having any, anything to look at. Yeah. You know, as a you know, just 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 sit there and watch those films. You're just thinking, gosh, just put a painting on there or just <laughs> a light or hang some twinkle lights or that sometimes, anything. Sometimes, sometimes you know, uh, you don't know that till you see it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I remember uh, in this one, this one film of mine that I'm trying to get done, my first feature film. Uh, we, the locations were essentially whoever would give us a place to work. Mm. And so a friend of mine let us shoot this quote-unquote party scene at his house. And so his house is covered with all of these, all this rock and roll memorabilia that he likes to buy and hang. He thinks the, the signatures are authentic and most of them aren't, and he's pretty sure. But he buys them anyway for ridiculous amounts of money. He's got them all over. And so we're shooting there, and it's like, well, we're going to have to blur all that out. So we'll go, well, it's actually here. We didn't put any of it here. It's his house and it's his stuff, and so we'll worry about that later. And you come to these two walls, there's nothing. And, and you shoot the scene where they run into each other, and you're watching it, and, and you're like, oh, my God. What am I going to do with all that space, all that color, <laughs> just screaming, look at me, I don't have anything to say. It's a weird feeling when you yeah. see that. And you don't realize how that's not really there in anything you look at, you know, until right. you see it. Yeah. Yeah, so I totally understand your point. Yeah. So that's a good point taken. How about sound? Is there, a, is there something you notice in sound that uh, could, you feel could be easily remedied or modified when you get a lot of independent submissions? Well, what, what do you always tell me? Like there's th- three things that audience will walk out on? Yep. Isn't sound one of them? And bad acting, bad sound, bad script, bad writing. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But they won't, you know, they won't walk out on bad cinematography or bad production design. But those three, yeah, you definitely need to focus on those three. They're, they're the most important. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't get around it. No matter how great you know a story is or the acting or anything, if the sound is just going to drive the audience insane with the levels dropping and you just can't play it. You mm-hmm. know? So sound is really, really up there big time. Yeah. And then what about ADR versus uh, live action audio, You know, capturing the actors in the scene? Do you have a preference from a production point of view, or is it also just scene by scene? Oh, absolutely live, as much as humanly possible. I talked to a guy, this one was film school, and he was a pro. And I, I said, how much uh, ADR do you have to do? He's like, I always get good good audio on set. Wow. <laughs> these guys make a lot of money as, as well they should. You know, he, he does whatever it takes, you know, generators or whatever. He's got a work run. He always gives at least, you know, Good working audio. Um, that can be very difficult to get. Yeah, you know because if you do, if you don't if you can't put the microphone in the shot, or if you're going to put it in the shot, you have to be able to take it out later. Uh, and if you can't right. get that close, then you have to have lavaliers that 
where the actors aren't moving, where they're not giving yeah, fabric noises. Yeah, clothing I mean, noises, yeah. That's, yeah, it's it's very difficult to get difficult. really, really good audio on, on yeah. set sometimes. Absolutely. I feel sorry for the, some of the sound guys who are busting their butt, and then you listen to it all back, and you're like, I can't really use any yeah. of this. Right. You know, it's, right. A tough, it's a tough battle. Very. You know, and then, of course, uh, if you're shooting something where there's a lot of noise, like a waterfall, and it's like, well, right. we're just going to have to do this later. We'll put in a fake waterfall, or we'll, we have to redo all the voices. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, um, but do you, have you had a lot of experience with doing ADR yourself on your projects? I've done a little bit. Mm-hmm. I try to, um, <clears throat> what's worked, worked well for me, I mean, obviously, there's obviously the ADR booth and you get nice and clean. And then you try to put put the person in the environment. I like just recording people. If it's somebody yelling on a street, just have them go out on the street and yell, you know? And I guess we should say what ADR is too. I keep forgetting, but, uh, you know, just replacing dialogue. Right. So that you're actually re-recording the dialogue while the actors typically watch their faces on the screen, but you know, coming from an audio background, I've I don't do it that way. Um, I tend to make the the actor as long as they'll let me. I make them listen to the because I like the take. I directed the take. I love the take. So I have them listen to it and do it just like that, almost like a singer has to hear it. I want the same melody that you use, the same inflection. I have them do each line a few times, and then when they're close enough. I go in and line it up to the wave file. And then I just drop it back into the movie and it lines up with their lips because it's lined up with the wave file. Right, Because right. the wave file has been my place where I've worked yep. you know, in my career. So it's backwards. But <laughs> And I found that some actors who necessarily maybe aren't singers, they can't do that. Because when they hear it, they never say it like they said it. They can't hear the difference. Right. Oh, wow. They need to be in that scene emotionally interacting with the other actors. And huh. that's when you capture it. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, I learned... I guess the same thing you're saying, you really want to get that on set. Yeah, as much as humanly possible, for yeah. sure. So you mentioned in, in your bio, getting back to music again, uh, that you've done, you've done a few um, bands, you've had an opportunity to shoot four. Maybe this is more as a photographer. I wanted to clarify with Queen, with Adam Lambert. I was part of, that was cool. That was a cool gig. So I was part of the, like this little tiger team. I guess their you know, ticket sales weren't what they wanted them to be. And so the first show, as you, I'm sure you know, a lot of first shows are in Phoenix. You know, big kind of test market. Medium market. They don't mind falling down here before they yep. go off to the big city. Yeah. So a lot of times they'll, they'll launch here uh, a tour. And, and so they put together this team, or call up this team called Lucid Potato. And these guys do these kinds of things. You know, like they work with Justin Bieber and all kinds of big acts to basically make promos really quick, super quick turnaround time to promote ticket sales in, you know, the cities they're going to next. And so these guys came in. I was hired as another camera um, to help them shoot. We shot the first six songs. Then we dropped all the footage. They used my camera. They used a couple of their cameras, their camera ops. They even used the line line cut from the uh, iMag, the stuff that was being projected on the screen for the audience. Okay. All these all these sources. They had one guy working on audio because they, of course, course recorded audio. <clears throat> um. And then by six six a.m. the next morning, they had a video up on YouTube, a promo for it. All cut awesome. together, all, <laughs> you know, all the different cameras and remixed audio. Yeah, yep. that's awesome. And then you also worked with Bare Naked Ladies. Yeah, shot them in a at the Jim Blossom Studio. Okay. Um, right there next to Four Peaks uh-huh. that yep, they used to have. Yep. Mm-hmm. Cool. Shot them there and, and uh, is alive for one hundred three nine, I think. Okay. A live thing, and yeah, that was a lot of fun. These guys are cool. Do you like live? Is that is that? I do like live fun shooting. Or yeah, no? yeah, I like live shooting a lot. Do you ever work as a switcher for multiple cameras, or do you just work as the camera operator? Uh, sometimes a switcher. 
Actually, just, just switching, sw- yeah. switching job yeah. uh, on Thursday. It wasn't for music, but right. yeah, it was fun. Working with uh, three cameras, three camera shoots. And have you done some sports work like that that's live? Uh, no, not really. Well, I shot, I've shot sports. Shot even uh, some action sports, and but not uh, not switching. Do you think you'll ever do an action film? Action film? Somehow not, not all that interested in them. Mm-hmm. You know, for <laughs> you think maybe being BMX or whatever, but yeah, actually, they kind of lose me, you know, with all the action. I like, I like character driven stuff more than yeah. anything. Yeah, really love characters. Okay. I love Alexander Payne, that's one I forgot to mention before. Love his mm. stuff, mm-hmm. love Sideways. Yeah, probably my favorite movie ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a great film, actually. It's a it didn't, and talk about character driven. I mean, it's that's great seeing the transition of the characters, and it's great seeing funny char- characters that they aren't trying to be funny but it's funny to you how they right. interact that's what i love is when you put these is the is a situational comedy where no one's trying to tell a joke but you're laughing at the whole movie yeah. you know i love that stuff <laughs> um and then just one more thing there's a local girl i've worked with that you uh, you've worked with jordan sparks yes shot her at the uh is the all-star game i think celebration thing when they did the all-star game here years ago uh, mlb and so I shot her and CeeLo Green. Right. That was just, it's part of another team, camera team. Shot mm-hmm. on long lens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well, listen, now, actually, you know, I, I have all these songs queued up to play when we take breaks and we don't have time to take a break. We've run out of time. We're like, <laughs> we've got five more minutes, so there's no point in playing any music. Right. But, um, but I'd like to just reiterate what's going on with the festival. But before we do, uh, what do, what is what's something down the road for you that you'd always like to do that maybe you haven't done yet because you've been running your business the festival what's what's going to be when you calm down and get some things off your plate <laughs> what are you going to be doing so in in film yeah let's see well we really really do love comedy you'll see in the promo is is all comedy mm-hmm. i always love we'll actually give you a peek after we get off here you can oh, see the awesome. world premiere <laughs> we'll oh get, that'll be great just have to just zip your lips until no we problem until tomorrow <laughs> yeah i can do that yeah okay but, but definitely love you know sketch comedy uh comedy feature Anything comedy, mm-hmm. love to do a lot more of that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, you know Trey Goodman. Oh yeah, Trey's uh, he's he's a good friend and he's he's a real supporter of the show, which I really really appreciate. Cool. But uh, he's been posting a bit about this comedy he's about to do, and he's pretty excited. And there's still some spots to cast. So if you want to get in on a comedy, sweet awesome. on the other side <laughs> of the great. on the other side of the glass. On the other side. You know? <laughs> yeah, I, I've been, I've almost said, hey, can I read? And it's like, oh well, no, maybe not, maybe not. <laughs> It's, uh, well, that's it'll, fun. it'll be fun to see what they come up with. Yeah. Well, listen, let's, uh, uh, Tony, if you don't mind, let's run back down uh, the uh, dates and stuff and the times for the festival. Yeah. So we are super thrilled. We're inviting everybody up. Last year we had 1,200 people going or interested, and this year we have 14,000 people going or interested, and Jerome only holds whoa, about 2,000. So whoa, <laughs> we don't know what happened whoa. this year. But you said, la- what do you mean by interested or going? Just this on is the just Facebook, you know, just. Wow. So the interest this year has skyrocketed. Yeah. So we're really highly encouraging people to secure your, your seats and get your um, passes online before you just take a chance and go up there and. You know, have so to the city of Jerome lines. is going to give you the keys to the city after this festival. I mean, <laughs> every restaurant will sell every meal they can make. Every bed will be booked. Oh, yeah. Well, the hotels are already, they're almost sold That's out. That's They've been sold out in Jerome for um, several yeah. months. But, yeah, so we're just inviting everybody up. The festival's a family, so anybody yeah. that comes up, we just, we work really to introduce people and network and 
Um, so the passes are, you know, all up on the website, JeromeFilmFestival.com. And we just, like I said, we've got some great, amazing things planned for everybody. Well, congratulations to both of you on the success of this year's festival before oh, it's even you. started. It's thank obviously you. a huge, huge endeavor. Is this, is this, uh, are these numbers making you think we need to get the dates for next year down now because people are going to want to start getting rooms? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we're almost getting to the place. Maybe we have to, you know, because it's, it's been the last week of September. So now we're just starting to think we don't want the hotels starting to raise prices because they know we're going to come in that weekend. So bounce around or something mm-hmm. on different dates. But no, it's always going to be the last weekend of yeah. September. But I wanted to mention we also have the Big Lebowski party on Saturday night. Tell me about which that. Which is going to be huge. Well, last year, Jason, well, Big Lebowski is one of our favorite movies. Mm-hmm. And good, so last it's year, it's film. hilarious. And Jason <laughs> looks just like the Big Lebowski, I mean, the dude. And he dressed up and we went to Mill Avenue. And he, I felt like I was with a rock star. Did you have it's the like sweater? Everything. I didn't have the sweater. Okay. It wasn't exactly. I, I did do a robe, though. Okay. <laughs> but and, people, a, and, a, and a rug. People were crossing roads to get to him. The dude, the dude. I'm like, oh, I felt like I was literally with... The dude. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> so funny. So at you know, Halloween, we decided, okay, we're going to do a big Lebowski party, and we're going to show, you know, just have the footage running during the party up on the big screen. And, um, yeah, it's going to be a blast. Cool. So we're really excited about that. But, yeah, we're excited. Hopefully awesome. we can come up. And what is the website address? JeromeFilmFestival.com. Jerome, that's where it came from that I thought there wasn't music involved. Maybe that's oh, why. Oh, that's probably it. So JeromeFilmFestival.com. And if you don't know Arizona, that's J-E-R-O-M-E. Yeah. filmfestival.com great well guys thanks so much here's to the great success of the oh, festival thank you thank we you appreciate you having us on you got it take bye care. guys bye.